Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, the future of the MCU may have just been decided with Loki. Are you thirsty for a gunpowder milkshake? And Netflix is getting into video games. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, any one of the number of great radio stations, now over 50 worldwide, that support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, or anything else that we do out there in social media at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend, he is the Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram. You got to check out what he's doing today at Castle PCC with a K on Twitter and Instagram. He's a good man indeed. You got to check out his great conversation that he had on our Monday program in regards to the Nintendo Switch. Also as well, America, the motion picture, and so much more. It is my good friend indeed. It is. Marcus De La Garza and Marcus, great to have you back on the program one more time. I wouldn't categorize that as great discussion. I think it was okay discussion, but I did really enjoy having Daniel on and it was wonderful to have him feature and, and give us his insights. So again, thanks to Daniel for jumping on the episode with us or, and doing that just hot take on the Nintendo Switch. But Gerald, we've got some great topics tonight. I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking Emmy nominations and let's make fun of Netflix because I'm not sure I dig this entire video game thing they're doing. Well, we're going to talk about Netflix getting into video games on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, we're going to talk Space Jam because Space Jam hits theaters this weekend. Also, HBO Max. So you can see either or. So we're going to talk about that coming up and the chances it has as far as doing good numbers at the box office. Plus, we're going to be talking about Loki Episode 6, and we will get into spoilers on that, just to let everyone know. We're going to be talking Gunpowder Milkshake, 
maybe a little bit on the Steam Deck, although I may save most of my thoughts on the Monday show because Josh, I know, is already chomping at the bit to talk about that. Plus also some great things going on with the Emmy nominations as well. But also among all the stuff that we're going to be talking about, our three great thoughts from our good friends that are out there. Big time comedian Jeff Dwoskin is on the show. Also as well, TJ Johnson and Noe and Fine from Hunt Queen. All three of them are going to stop by for some quick thoughts on Black Widow because they all wanted to talk Black Widow. Gerald, I got to speak to you about Black Widow. Got to talk Black Widow. So they're here to talk about Black Widow coming up later on the program as well. But first off, my friend, it is the Emmy nominations. And you know everybody at this point in time, like Netflix, like Apple, like Amazon Prime, they're all touting, oh, we got 20 yeah. Emmy nominations here. We got 100 Emmy nominations there, blah, 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 blah. Okay. I'm not going to count down who has the most or who has what or, you know, whatnot. I want to point out just some interesting pop culture related Emmy nominations and some of the things that stuck out to me. But I will grant it to you first, my friend. Let's give you the floor first on some Emmy nominations that stuck out to you for one reason or another. All right. I'm going to lead off with one thing real quick. I really despise this time of the year when we start throwing promotional things on the TV, uh, on the streaming services, where it's just like six Emmy nominations, five Emmy nominations. I saw that day on my Amazon that Amazon was already just like 20 Emmy nominations right there for you. Netflix, you know, 100 Emmy nominations or whatever they got. HBO, you know, got tens and tens of nominations. Yes, we know that. We know you're great. We know you got all this. The only thing is broadcasting networks outside of maybe NBC, they really don't have much to crow about anymore. They really don't. But yeah, I mean, just what I was saying, though, this time of the year is kind of one of my least favorites just because you see all the cover art change and you get all the nods of the Emmy nominations and everything else that's going on. And there's really nothing wrong with that. I just, you know, honestly, it's just give me the cover art. I, I don't need to be well, swayed one way, way or the other. Advertising for them, like for instance, yeah, I, your I get favorite it. show, Ted Lasso, which got multiple Emmy nominations, which proved you right, proved me wrong. I never said it. I didn't think it was going to be a bad show. I just said no. I wasn't for me. I could see out there the popularity of it. You, I mean, I've reported on stories of how popular it is for Apple Plus. What the Metacritic, what the love for it is, is we're garnered already many awards already. So you already knew where it was going with that. So Ted Lasso, props to you, my friend. You're a big supporter of it. So I actually have always said how much I am so glad that you you enjoy it so thoroughly. I wish I had. And I'm just glad that you did. So that's a good one, man. Ted Lasso to start off with. It is. Ted Lasso's great. You know, they, they are nominated for, what is it? Outstanding lead actor in a comedy series. And well, I think also... Yeah. Yeah. Just a, yeah. yeah. They, got outstanding comedy series. They've got some stiff competition there, but I mean, I think they've got a chance to win both of those lead actor and comedy series. I think, you know, great nomination there. I thought it was a great show. I understand that, you know, it didn't resonate with you, but regardless, you did see the potential there and you saw what was happening. So I do want to give a nod at the outstanding lead actor in a limited series or TV movie category. Ewan McGregor in uh, Halston was outstanding. You know, my wife and I sat and and watched that pretty much in, in a week. Like we just watched an episode a day. It was a lot of fun and I learned a lot that I, I guess I didn't know about the fashion industry, number one, but number two about, you know, Halston himself. Outstanding show. So if you get a chance, the, the big problem I had with that category is you've got Paul Bettany with WandaVision, Hugh Grant with The Undoing, 
McGregor with Halston. And then you've got Lynn Manuel Miranda and Leslie Odom Jr. for Hamilton. And my issue there is, yes, I guess I do deserve the Emmy nod because they did the Disney Plus thing. But at the end of the day, you've already won a ton of Tonys. Let's leave this category for other people that need an award first. Well, Leslie Odom Jr., great job in it. I didn't think Lynn Manuel was that great in it, personally. That was one of the many eh, eh kind of choices that were done with the Emmy nominations. I will say some of mine. First off, as far as something that even he can't believe, Don Cheadle for 98-second cameo. Yeah. Literally, just a couple minutes here and there on the first and last episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he got nominated for. He can't even believe it. I thought that was probably one of the dumbest Emmy nominations I've ever seen. This is something he's actually played now for 10 years and has been better in other performances because he's been on camera more. <laughs> I mean, his performance his performance in Endgame was much better than this, you know, with the cheese whiz joke. So I think that was just uh, embarrassing by anyone who, well, first of all, Disney for promoting it. That was probably the, their fault for just pushing that right. on there. Because Don Cheadle's done actually much better work this year on other shows that were more deserving of Emmy nominations than what he got for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But second of all, The Boys is finally recognized after I slammed the Emmys last year for not recognizing The Boys. They were recognized for their second season across the board in regards to best overall series for drama. It was and, an outstanding season, Gerald. It deserved yeah. it. I mean, like, it, it deserved the nomination here. Yeah, it was one of my best shows on television. I love the fact that Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai, was also nominated in Best Comedy. I cannot thank the Emmy nominations enough for going ahead and doing that. Just a great show, a lot of fun, something that's been a long time coming. It is a little cheesy sometimes, but it oozes so much what we are so nostalgic about in the 80s and it just takes that and flips it right up on its head and yeah. does such a great job in doing that i thought this season was a very good season and it was well worth it i know a lot of people are asking why william zabka didn't get the nomination but if you've seen his character and the way he he plays the character he does a really really good job on it and i've always been high on him but he always seems to play in such a uh, flat mannerism so I'm not sure he doesn't emote. He, he his character does not emote very well. So I don't right. know if getting him to that point of an Emmy nomination was was really that valid. But he still do, has done a great job with his character because it's completely. Again, if you want to go check out my first thoughts on Cobra Kai way back when on this show, please because I was just so enamored with his performance in regards to the way he evolved his Johnny character and also the way the show evolved from the exact opposite of what we saw and what turned me off of the Karate Kid series in general. So big kudos to Cobra Kai. WandaVision earning several nominations. We had a uh, feeling very, that was going to happen though, right? Yeah, because it's so quirky. It's so out there, even though yeah. we thought it was just okay. Some of the episodes were truly outstanding and some of the episodes were not. So it was kind of an uneven ride, but I think it's just because it was so unique. It had such a novel concept and such a unique look, especially going from the 50s to the 60s, to the 70s to the 80s and having the production values that it did. I think that's what earned it its nominations. Plus, I think that just the novelty of having Marvel shows being in that category 
and being able to go ahead yeah. and do so really for the first time since the Netflix series went off the air and and a lot of those were not as much beloved as what we see now with the Disney Plus shows so I'm very happy to see that but yeah overall the boys Cobra Kai and just enjoying the fact that they were nominated still uber uber angry at the Emmys for not nominating Superstore in its final season there were some really good episodes that touched on a lot of what's going on in current society and the fact that it was not recognized even in its final season was very tragic. So I'm very disappointed in that. But again, some good stuff for the most part, some snubs as always. But yeah, to go ahead and and repeat what Don Cheadle is saying, he doesn't get it either. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And and unfortunately, I'm sorry, Don, but like you're right. Well, he's you're... been nominated now 11 times. He's good. He's good. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, dude, I, I'm very interested to see you know what our fans have to say about the Emmy nominations this year. But I had one I did want to ask you about. Anya Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. Do you think she deserves the Emmy there? Because I, I don't know if you watched that entirely, but it was outstanding at times. At, at times, it was boring. But I did think that she did the character very well. You know, whatever. That a lot of was. what Emmys do is they go off of momentum. And you know how popular The Queen's Gambit is. And in doing so... I think that it was just a train of, of momentum following them. And a lot yeah. of these shows and characters and, and that have a lot of momentum and popularity behind them, even if it's not the best of quality, will still get these nominations. Sometimes it even leads to wins just because of the popularity of whatever show that's driving behind it. So <coughs> Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Bridgerton <laughs> is something that, you know, is a guilty pleasure for a lot of people out there, but Bridgerton is not exactly the highest rated show as critically when you look at it at overall scores and whatnot. So it getting nominations at all, I'm sure were a surprise to individuals out there, but you know, to me, it's just the fact that Bridgerton and, and other shows, the Queen's Gambit, a lot of the stuff on Netflix had a lot of popularity, a lot of momentum driving behind it. And that's how they get nominated, man. It's a lot of times it's, it's right there in front of your face that what's what's going on in pop culture, what people are looking at. A show like Superstore, which you know it was great for what it was and just quietly just signaled itself off the air, that's going to get ignored by the Emmy nomination. So I'm not right. too surprised, but I'm kind of disappointed. But yes, yeah, so a lot of things that are out there in Emmy nominations, there's a ton out there as far as which were snubbed, which were you know right on the money, which were not deserving, which were, that didn't get in. So I know a lot of people have opinions on there, but if you do, we would love to hear your thoughts on the Emmy nominations. If you have them, if you can, please share them with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But my friend, any last thoughts on the Emmy nominations before we head on out? No, I just, I really hope Ted Lasso wins, you know, at least one, but looking forward to a diverse winner pool here this year. Looking forward to possibly doing a little bit of an Emmys betting pool here with a few people in my local area. So looking forward to that, doing maybe, maybe an Emmys bingo, who knows? And Gerald, maybe uh, we just publish this game, you know, whatever I end up doing, we just end up, you know, throwing it out to the masses here. That would be great. I'd love the opportunity to do that. I'm trying to see if Star Trek got nominations. That's what I was trying to look up now. But yeah, because the thing is, Star Trek has really done some high quality shows as far as from a production standpoint. Yep. So I'm looking up to see if they got any Emmy knobs because I didn't really hear that come across the pike. 
because they're they've got five. Discovery and Lower Decks nominated for five Emmys. Oh, that's good. Lower Decks is really funny. It's really it takes a little bit to get yep. into. Discovery is in its third season. I think it, it found its groove from a storyline and production wise. There are very few shows out there on television that spend more money, and it looks like it. It looked really good this year from a production standpoint. So, very happy to see that. So. That's good. Uh, Lower Decks is picking up a nomination for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series Half Hour. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess yeah. great, but it's not the one that they wanted because I think it's no, a no. funny show, but yep. I think it probably deserved a little bit better than that. But, well, hey, an Emmy nod is an Emmy nod, so we'll see what happens if they actually bring home the Emmys along that and all the other shows. But yeah, if you have a show or a performance that you think deserved, it got snubbed, or that you really are hoping that will win an Emmy, we, again, would love to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Big on America. Hey, guys. This is Jason Dutch with Dig on America Podcast, and I'm here with... Big Hops. And I'm also here with Mikey Famine. Big on America here, we explore how American history, policies, and sometimes even our pop culture created the social and political issues facing Americans today. You can check out our website, digonamerica.com. We're on every single audio podcast app there uh, is out there, yeah, Pandora, Spotify, etc. Subscribe on YouTube. You can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash DOA podcast. Hopefully you'll listen to the show, guys. Big on America. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. But before we get into heavy, low-key spoilers, I wanted to ask you real quick, Space Jam. Space Jam with LeBron James, the revised, revitalized version of Space Jam. A new legacy is coming out this weekend to theaters and also HBO Max. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually going to be seeing it this weekend, and we'll be reviewing it for both the Lakers Fast Break and Pop Culture Cosmos. Look at you. I like that integration of the Lakers Fast Break there, Joe. Well, you know, a lot of people, because it's LeBron, and you know he's so much a part of the Lakers, you have to go ahead and make sure you share thoughts on that. But I've been doing a ton of work for Lakers Fast Break this week, and I've produced several episodes, plus doing a lot of promo work for them, too. So it's been a busy, busy, busy week for me. Anyways, I will probably have early next week a review for the Lakers Fast Break. And on the Monday show, I will definitely have a review for Space Jam, A New Legacy. But I want to ask your thoughts. It is expected to compete with Black Widow. I don't think it will surpass Black Widow because I still expect Black Widow to get about 30 to $35 million in its second week. I think that's what most box office analysts are saying, which could be right around the range of what Space Jam does. So Space Jam could pull off a small upset, but we'll wait and see. And I will report that on Monday. But your thoughts on Space Jam, A New Legacy. Remember, it's also being played for free with the subscription on HBO Max here in America, here in the States. So I want to hear your thoughts on the impact of the box office. And is it something you're really going to go out of your way to see? definitely not going to go out of my way to go see at the movie theater but i will say that you know if i get a chance this weekend i will watch it on hbo max black widow just crossed nine hours ago a hundred million dollars at the domestic box office so i don't foresee space jam coming out and really 
upsetting Black Widow at all. I, I really hope it doesn't. You know, the reviews I've read, yes, they've been positive, but at times I've read other ones that said this is just one hour and a half long commercial. And if you really look back at what Space Jam was when I was a kid, Space Jam was just an hour and a half long commercial at that point too. You know, it was trying to revive the Looney Tunes for a, a different generation. And yep. they, they successfully did that and they did it really well. And they did it with a compelling storyline and a little bit of advertisement and a lot of bit of just classic Looney Tunes, you know, funny and i'm hoping that lebron does the same thing but the early reviews that i've read about you know kind of the integration and and the nods that we're giving at the rest of the intellectual property that is owned by warner brothers it just feels like one giant poster board for their entire ip to me it just has to be fun popcornish just has to be something that you know i like to enjoy sit down Yes. Is it an attempt for Warner Brothers for the umpteenth time to revitalize the Looney Tunes for a new generation? Because if it does go over well, I'm sure there are more cartoons than it works for the Looney Tunes. Because on so many of the Looney Tunes, they're probably not airing on HBO Max because they're all worried about the violence from way back when. What is more acceptable to go ahead and have characters hit themselves on the head and squish their brains and all that stuff that, you know, that you saw and as as a kid on Looney Tunes that supposedly have destroyed my mind ever since then. But, you know, it's something I'm hoping that they'll be able to go ahead and have fun with. Yes. I understand there's going to be a commercial going in, but still I'd like to have a lot of fun seeing it. So I will give thoughts on that on Monday show. I wanted to ask you real quick before we get into Loki's two other things, because I have not heard your thoughts yet on the tomorrow war. Did you see the disaster known as the Tomorrow War? Thank you. You agree with me on the disaster that is Tomorrow War. I've Have you not enti- been listening to the showman? No, I mean, but like, I've got an entire family's worth of people that are telling me that the Tomorrow War was a great movie. And all I can think is absolutely not. This was a terrible movie. There were so many logical plot holes in this movie that all I could think was, please, somebody get the Swiss cheese out because it's going to have less holes in it than this plot line does for this entire movie. But you know what? There is a lot of people that like the Tomorrow War. And I'm oh going to give them respect for enjoying it. I'm going to give them a lot Those of people respect are wrong, for- Gerald. Well, the thing is... <laughs> You know, you cannot argue success and already it's become the best streaming film of the year, most popular for Amazon. And they're already in talks to do a sequel. Sorry to tell you the Tomorrow War 2 could be on its way. So, again, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. But, yes, Josh and I had a dumpster fire when we talked about it the other day. And then, of course, last week as well. Yeah, I just uh, Chris Pratt, great lead man, but maybe not the best lead man for a movie like this. He just was so depressed throughout the entire picture. It just was like, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And the CGI was sometimes very iffy. But yeah, just just a lot of issues with it. But yeah, the Tomorrow War, if you enjoyed it, more power to you. You know, and I don't certainly don't want to dissuade you from that. So I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please send us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, before we hit the half hour break, and again, three great interviews coming up on Black Widow. With Jeff Dwoskin, TJ Johnson, and Noeen Fine. Loki Episode 6, the finale, dropped this week to Disney+. And there's also some varying opinions on this. And my daughter said it best, who watched it with me, and afterwards got a lot of feedback on it. She says, if you're over 30, you get it and you enjoy it. If you're under 30, you don't get it and you didn't enjoy it. So that's what she's reading from the responses out there. Oh, no. She 
did not get it and she did not like it as much as I did. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was, I loved it. I thought it was the yeah. best episode. I think it's the reason why it's the best episode of Loki is two two words. Jonathan Majors, who did an absolutely brilliant performance. This was a total surprise in many ways we weren't sure we didn't we didn't think we were going to see his character as of yet but he came on and an episode that was 99% just sitting at an office desk and knocked it out the park yeah, yeah knocked it out of the park but there's that one intense scenario where the rest of the nine episodes you try to do something like this and it's going to be boring as heck this episode with Jonathan Majors truly encaptured a great performance and it just makes you wonder why HBO did not renew Lovecraft Country. To see the brilliance that he has as an actor, I just don't get it. I don't understand why they canceled it, but that's another issue altogether. But in essence, to give a, a roundabout way and some spoilers on it, the Lokis, both the Lady Loki and our Loki that we know as Tom Hiddleston, they both finally meet up where the end of time is. And the man behind it is He Who Remains. Yeah. And that's what he's referred to, although a lot of people are trying to call him Kang already or Kang the Conqueror. But after they try to kill him on a couple occasions, he describes to me, everyone out there, that he's been in the individual solely responsible for handling the sacred timeline. And he's been the one that's keeping it together. And if you kill him, then you're going to mess everything up. You're going to branch out. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of timelines will, will sprout out. And since he was the one that helped create this singular timeline and helped shape it after a multiversal war in the first place, if you kill him, then everything is going to go awry with the whole timeline. And the way he explains everything and sat down was just amazing and put the pressure solely on the Lokis. And after a kiss for with the Lokis, after they you saw that there could be some hope, Lady Loki pushed our Tom Hiddleston Loki into a portal, sent him back to the TVA. She ends up killing Kang. And his last words were see you shortly. And and you know, that means another Kang is gonna be on his way, maybe another and another. So what it does now, it sets everything up for the rest of this phase or phases going forward as far as the multiverse is concerned, that's now in disarray. And also sets up at the end in the end credits for Loki season two. So I want to hear your thoughts, but I thought this was a brilliant episode, and it's all due to Jonathan Majors. I agree with you. The performance out of Jonathan Majors is outstanding. Great episode. And it's so funny because it wasn't Tom Hiddleston's Loki that did make the maneuver that could possibly reshape the MCU for years to come. It was yeah. Sylvie that did it. And this killing of this particular Kang, let's just call him Kang for all better intents and purposes here, what it could cause and the ripple effect is going to cause chaos throughout the MCU from the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange 2 to next season of Loki to everything and beyond in regards to what's going on with the multiverses now colliding. The next Spider-Man could be involved with that too. So do you feel like what they've done with the multiverse and what we've introduced? Well, they made Wanda? this TV series important. So it, yeah. now you have to watch the TV series whether you want to or not, because you see something now with a major star that shows up and also the fact they made a major decision 
going forward that's going to impact the entire MCU format for years to come. They did. And I'm starting to realize that are we setting the stage here with the next round of superheroes? So like we brought Sylvie in and she's a nod at a Lady Loki. Is Lady Loki our Loki moving forward? And Tom Hiddleston falls off the backside. And then we've got our new Black Widow coming in. I mean, did we start reconstructing things here with these two? You could see that with Loki, a changing of the Loki. But the thing is, there's still a future for Tom Hiddleston's Loki. Because remember, at the very end, after the murder by Lady Loki to Kang, or he who remains, was done. And the portal that Loki was pushed through by Lady Loki ends up being a different multiverse altogether because it shows the timekeeper statue of just Kang. And in it, uh, the last words that were made by Owen Wilson, he looks at Loki and says, you're just an analyst. He doesn't recognize him as Loki at all. He recognizes him only as an analyst. So the whole things have appeared to change and change very differently. I'm not sure Tom Hiddleston's going away. But you could see a changing of the guard depending, just like we're seeing with Black Widow. So you could be right on that. As we were watching this yesterday, I, I really felt like this is the setting the stage for the changing of the guard, possibly. You know, Tom Hiddleston, I think, will be around for season two. It's just, does Sylvie take over in the cinematic performances here on out and eventually takes over entirely? We've got all sorts of questions with no answers. <laughs> But we'll wait and see, my friend. But it's very interesting what Loki has laid out for us, not only for season two, which was confirmed in the mid credit scene, but also as well the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's very gutsy of Disney and Marvel to go ahead and make a major decision like this for the Marvel Cinematic Universe on a TV show and not on one of their $200 million blockbusters that were shown up on the big screen. Kevin Feige's original words when announcing these shows were that you're going to have to watch the shows and that the importance will be laid into the shows as much as the movies themselves. And with the decision that was made by Loki and in this series for the rest of the MCU right now going forward in this phase and the multiverse war that may happen and the appearances by multiple Kangs even and just the ripple effects of what it will cause for the rest of this timeline in the MCU until it gets repaired was made on a TV show. And I think that took a great call by Kevin Feige and I'm just so happy to see it. It tells me that the TV series are taken very seriously and overall it ended on the note that I think needed to be ended on, and it sets up so much more for the future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are your thoughts out there on Loki Episode 6, Season 1? Because there is a Season 2 on the way, as confirmed by Loki. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is comedian Jeff Dwoskin, Noe and Fine, and first up, TJ Johnson. They're all here to talk. Black Widow. So I'm going to go ahead and chat with them real quick. They're going to share their quick thoughts on Black Widow coming up after the break. And then right after, Mr. Castle PCC, Marcus De La Garza, and I will be talking about Steam Deck, Gunpowder Milkshake, and Netflix getting into video games as we close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see 
the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid. Hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really, truly defined who we are. And you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. All right, and we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is the biggest movie right now out in the world, and it is not named F9. It is Marvel's Black Widow, which is currently now out in theaters and also available on Disney+. Plus. It's doing great numbers, earning as much as $220 million in its first weekend through both Worldwide box office and streaming has done a great job of doing what we hoped it would do at the box office, hoping for some continued great things there. But we've had a lot of opinions so far shared on our shows, but thought I'd share a few more. Got Noe and Fine and also comedian Jeff Dwoskin coming up with their thoughts on Black Widow. But he already has graced both the Pop Culture Cosmos and Lakers fast break in recent days. It is Mr. TJ Johnson. TJ, always great to have you back. You have seen Black Widow strike at the box office, stinging as only she can. (laughs) But I wanted to go ahead and obviously bring you on to share your thoughts on the return of the MCU to the big screen. Yes, I had the pleasure of seeing Black Widow. I was pleasantly surprised. I I don't know if I just didn't have huge expectations for this film. It was a lot more fun than I was anticipating. There were some moments that were definitely dragging more than I'd like to see in an MCU film. But overall, your thoughts were just in line with mine that it was okay. Mm -hmm. Wasn't the worst. Wasn't the best. Seemed a little bit out of place. But when I talked to you about Florence Pugh, you're not sold yet, are you? I'm not sold yet, and it's not that her performance wasn't outstanding. I actually thought she was probably one of the better parts of Black Widow. I think the way that she mocked Scarlett Johansson, she was talking about the way she does her superhero pose. I just thought it was all very well done. It was very brother, it was very uh, sisterly, excuse me. You could see that there was a a sister dynamic there, and it looked pretty genuine. So I actually disagree. I, I think she was the best part of the film. The reason that I'm not sold quite yet is not of anything that she's done. I'm just not convinced with the way the story is progressing, how I can, in my mind, believe that she thinks that Clint is the bad guy, other than how she would find that information. I mean, obviously, I know the the Madam Hydra, whatever her name is going to end up being. But you're right. Who who said this to her? Who Was it Red Skull? And just the corny way she goes about it just seems a little out of place, like the rest of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I think out of place really sums up the film uh, in all aspects of it. I think that the timing was out of place. I think the the fact that we're getting these, this movie now is out of place. Like everything just seems out of place about the film. It doesn't make the film bad. It just was at the wrong time as far as I'm concerned. Almost like the Sega Dreamcast. Think about the Dreamcast. It was a fantastic console, a great console. It just came out. It was ahead of its time. It wasn't prepared. Same thing with this film. Just kind of flip it. It's not ahead of its time. It's behind the time. Still a great film, but just not for right now. That it really had a chance to be a, a, a potential franchise in and of itself. I really do. I think had this movie come out when it should have come out, we really could have been looking at a Black Widow film trilogy. I thought it was well done, and I would have really enjoyed to see these characters move forward. I guess you know, maybe anything can happen. We do have a multiverse now. 
This is true, my friend. This is true. Again, it's my good friend, TJ Johnson. Yes, You've sir. heard his thoughts. If you have any thoughts out there, please let us know. Popculturecosmosyahoo.com. TJ, I cannot thank you enough on such short Absolutely. notice. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, you're always welcome back to share your thoughts on Marvel, DC, or anything pop culture related right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. We're back. It's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos. And fresh from Disneyland and Avengers Campus and a whole bunch of great rides, he decided to go ahead and take a break. And hopefully he's going back, any better, to the happiest place on Earth to talk about Black Widow. It is the man behind Hunnic Queen. It is Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, thank you for coming back on once again. Shame on you for leaving the happiest place on Earth. But go ahead, tell me your thoughts on Black Widow. Oh, this is easy. I always felt that you should have switched up Captain Marvel and put Black Widow in. It's a little hard to do it now. And what's worse is I felt this was really still a middle finger to the character. She still doesn't have her arc. Nothing gets resolved. It's characters that were set up that were supposed to be introduced a few movies ago. Uh, There are things that are never going to happen other than setting up another Disney Plus series with Hawkeye. But all in all... I was in the theater with about a good percentage of young girls, and they were, just like Captain Marvel, disappointed because they were like, they want action, there's more talking, and really, two of the biggest lackluster villains, the most disappointing villains I've seen in the MCU, after we got some really good ones in Phase 3, Ray Winston as this Red Room Russian scientist i guess because hydra is broken apart too it makes zero sense and as for david harbour i still don't have a feel on this guy and they made red guardian out to be this drunken oaf that doesn't remember when captain america was frozen in the ice and when he was released that he's boasting that he's the one who put him on ice which of course we all know he didn't do so it makes zero sense. And, and the action sequences, even when we have Taskmaster go ahead and fight, the editing with these action sequences are abominable. Now, I will give the casting a good. There is no chemistry with the cast or these characters. But I feel like all this has just been between Endgame and this movie, one gigantic middle finger to the fans. I disagree with you on that. I think it's an okay movie. Uh, I think the action sequences were quite good. They were not plentiful, which was kind of disappointing. This movie does feel out of place in 2021. I won't share the severe criticisms about it that you did, because I think it's an okay movie overall. I think, like I said, 7.5 out of 10 for me. Again, I, I feel this was a bunch of missed opportunities, but is this the worst movie in the MCU I don't know if I'll watch it again, but I'm not paying 30 bucks for it. I, I paid $10 at the movie theater. I, I liked it at the movie theater. I thought it was a great experience, but you're right. A movie should have come out in 2016. It should have come right after the events of Civil War. I really would have thought it would have been a better fit. Just before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 would have been a nice fit right there because that was really what came along. That was big. That was next. And then Thor Ragnarok after that. Doctor Strange was the movie, I think, that came after Civil War. That's a different movie that you could have placed pretty much anywhere on the timeline, and it probably still would have been a better fit. But yeah, Black Widow should have come out in 2016 after Civil War. I agree with you on that part of it. But Noah, great having you on. 
head back to that park because I Disneyland am. is still the happiest place on earth. Oh, it is. We're glad to have you. Yes. And we're glad to have you here for a moment right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for listening. And it's Black Widow, my friend. Still Black Widow thoughts. We're hearing Black Widow thoughts all over the place. But who better to share thoughts on Black Widow than a superstar when it comes out there in the podcasting land? It is Jeff Dwoskin. <laughs> Please take care of his show many times by hitting the download, the subscribe, the whole nine yards, the Jeff Dwoskin show. It is comedian Jeff Dwoskin. And Jeff, great to have you back on the program. You actually watched Noah and I when Noah went on his rampage in regards to Black Widow because he was not too thrilled. I was not too thrilled with him because he had actually left Disneyland to tell me his disdain for Black Widow and then go back to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. So he wasn't happy at that time. But I really want to hear your thoughts. How did you enjoy Black Widow? Let me preface everything by saying I'm not the guy that knows the you know, every minutiae detail of every single thing in the M MCU. I mean, I've seen every one of the movies. I've seen every one of the TV but shows. you're a casual fan, per se. I, I can, exactly. I remember standing in line to meet Mike Nesmith from the Monkees, thinking to myself, I'm a big fan. I grew up with the Monkees. I love the Monkees. And I'm standing with people with like 50 different photos from his career and 50 times they've met him. And I realized, wow, I don't, I am not on the same level. It's so I, I agree. I understand that there's people that, are much deeper <laughs> into some of this. I found the movie very enjoyable, which is exactly what I think it was meant to be. But here's the thing. Scarlett Johansson should have been the first, right? She should have been the first. This movie should have been done a long time ago. For all the kudos that we give Marvel, they fell flat on not recognizing what a badass Scarlett Johansson is as Black Widow, and they should have given her this movie. She's the one that should have had three movies by now, not Thor about to push his fourth. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. A lot of that does go to the previous Marvel hierarchy. And you're right. This does feel like a movie that would have been much better placed right after Civil War when the events of this movie take place. Right. And I'm all about flashback movies. And I don't have a problem like filling in and getting a little backstory. You know, she did die. And I think even the way they handled her death was like... It was almost like it didn't happen in the movie after it happened. They, you know, Stark got the big funeral <laughs> and it was like, you know, so, I mean, I feel like this was her due and I, I enjoyed it. It was just, I thought it was good. It was just enough backstory. I thought Florence Pugh was amazing and I think yes. they passed the mantle perfectly to her and it doesn't feel like forced or like, I, oh, I have to learn to like her immediately love that character and her take on it and i thought it was great i think i hope they bring david harbour back <laughs> and i loved it they took the opportunity to kind of get william hurt back in there hopefully a little set bit up, yeah hopefully set up thunderbolts well yeah. i mean it seems his health in the movies not his health in real life because if he was that unhealthy in real life i don't think marvel would continue to use him in movies but his health was portrayed as very bad which may lead into some other things in regards to, you know, what they want to do, like you said, about the Thunderbolts, but possibly him searching out uh, some type of cure or the gamma radiation or some way to super soldier serum or whatnot that he might turn into that Red Hulk character that he did in the comic books. 
Right, because he's a member of the Thunderbolts, not just the leader or what have you. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, which would be cool. And they're already bringing back Abomination and... Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend yeah. of the Ten Rings. Yeah. Yeah, that's another movie that probably would not have been made under that old Marvel regime. That looks amazing, too. Yes. That looks great. But I enjoyed Black Widow, and I've talked to people that didn't like it or had problems with it, and I'm like, I think it was an enjoyable movie. I thought it was a pretty kick-ass fun thing it ended you know it's they did a, it it was funny to see the julie louis dreyfus cameo knowing that was supposed to be the first introduction yeah. of that character i think it actually worked better as the second introduction <laughs> i think it worked better in this order it's kind of curious where they're going with both her character and also ross's character as well yeah it should be interesting they tend to thread all these shows and storylines so well. It's it's extremely impressive. <laughs> extremely impressive. You know, in terms of Black Widow, I recommend it. I mean, I'm going to watch it again, you know, at some point. The whole backstory was good. I thought the family thread that she had and rediscovered, I thought was good. It worked for me. Oh, I will say, and this is, I guess, the controversial thing of the movie, it was Taskmaster. Coming from a point of view of, I wasn't really aware of that character. Sorry, I disappoint anyone listening. But it's, it's someone unaware of the character. I had no problem with the character, right? So I thought it seemed to just be fine and work for what it was supposed to do for the movie. I'm yeah. Not, I haven't even dug into what the character is supposed to do or what the pieces that were missing. Or the original past for that character in the comic books. Just the origin story for that character? Yeah, different. exactly. Yeah, quite they different. Change, they change stuff all the time. Yeah. You know? I was hoping for more on Budapest itself and not just told to me. I was hoping I could see more between Hawkeye and Black Widow one more time. Yeah, that would have been an interesting story to tell as well. You know, it's like I'm not a, always a big fan of like Solo or the prequels of Star Wars where you grow up knowing the stories, the Black Widow one, probably not as much, but like where you grow up knowing the stories. Oh, Solo, the Kessel Run. You don't need to see them. It's like if you just, you finally discover something that your family talked about all this time, it never lives up to the expectations or the conversations that you have. But you enjoyed the movie, my friend, and you highly recommend it to everyone out there. I enjoy it. If you just want to have a good time, eat some popcorn and watch a movie, you know, just stop overthinking everything, fandom. <laughs> it's just like, it's okay to just enjoy something. Yes, you didn't have the greatest arc. She already had her arc. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just a single story that takes place. And if you really kind of look at it, it's just her just getting her due in terms of getting the movie that she should have gotten 10 years ago, then... I think it's good. I think it's it's very enjoyable. Plus, it serves as a launching point for Florence Pugh and her future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it accomplished both those tasks. Sorry. Yeah, I thought the handoff was brilliant. It was great. It worked out really well. And to me, yeah, I think she was great. Like, really great. Like, she'll be a really good addition, I think. And, you know, based on the end scene, which we don't have to specifically talk about, it's interesting to see what the character path will be and, you know, where she is or all that kind of stuff and what her place is in the, in the universe. But. Well, I'm so happy you got the chance to stop on by my friend, but before we head on out, you got to pitch exactly everything you're doing, everything you want people to know and hear and, and want to be able to go ahead and check out when it concerns Jeff Waskin. Sure. Everyone head over to Jeff That's the home of my podcast. 
live from Detroit, the Jeff Dwoskin Show. Everything you need, desire, or want is there. You can listen to the episodes there. You can jump to any of your podcasts and subscribe and follow and like the podcast. I do recommend listening to all 62 episodes in a row. Just binge them <laughs> twice. Like and, Netflix. <laughs> I mean, just, just to get a feel for it. Don't give up until you do that. We do a live show every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time called Crossing the Streams. We talk about shows that you should be watching, streaming on any of the uh, platforms. And that's it. You can get to Crossing the Streams also from jeffisfunny.com. And I have been a part of Crossing the Streams. It was a hilarious time. I enjoyed it immensely. And these guys that are on there are just truly fantastic. So I cannot say enough great things about both your regular show and also Crossing the Streams as well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. But man, I tell you what, next time you have that impulse to just go ahead and share your thoughts on something in pop culture, hit me up, my friend, because you're always welcome here. You awesome. know that. I appreciate that. It's good to have a second home. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. So we're like the uh, summer home out there by the lake. How about that? <laughs> Not the dilapidated condo you left for dead. <laughs> Thank you, sir. You got it, my friend. All the best to you and continued success from all of us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald coming right back at you here as we close out the show. Want to thank so much TJ Johnson, comedian Jeff Dwoskin, and of course, Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen for being on the show today. But before we head on out, my friend, Gunpowder Milkshake is also climbing up the charts on yep. Netflix, uh, doing a good job of that. Didn't get the greatest reviews of the world. I'm sorry to hear that, but it's got some really great individuals as part of it. Karen Gillan is the star, trying to put her at the forefront of being a badass assassin who gets wronged by her handler and ultimately ends up being her trying to protect the kid against this evil guy, Paul Giamatti, and his organization. So she needs some help. So she enlists the help of her mother, Lena Headley, who does a great job, Carla Gugugino, Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett. And we know yeah. Angela Bassett is just truly sensational. This seems like a great cast. And I'm wondering why it's just not going over as well critically. But on Netflix, it seems to be really popular. You know, if you watch the trailer, I don't know how about how you felt about it, but it looked like Sucker Punch met John Wick met Kingsman. So it's it's a little upsetting to hear that the critical reviews haven't been great. But it's like, yeah. eh, so, but I'm gonna check it out. I'm really excited for it because I really enjoy the cast, and I want to see if Karen Gillan can be put into that lead role. You know, obviously she's done a great job yep. with Jumanji, and of course the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'd love to see what she can do when she's put center stage. So I definitely want to give that a try and check that out. And hopefully I will be able to do so this weekend after Space Jam. What are your thoughts out there on Gunpowder Milkshake? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com.
My friend, there's just a couple more items before we head on out. I'm not going to really hold my thoughts here. I'm going to share most of it on Monday because I really want to evaluate a little bit more. But Steam Deck was announced today by Steam themselves because they're very secretive about the way they go about things. would have been nice if they said, you know what? We're going to introduce a new handheld PC gaming player that's very similar in many ways to the Nintendo Switch and what the Vita once was. And we're going to introduce a new Left 4 Dead and a new Half-Life. That would be great. But unfortunately, they didn't announce the games, which I'm still, along with many other people, have been waiting for over a decade for. But they did announce a handheld Steam player called the Steam Deck. So a lot of people can catch their PC gaming on the go. Your thoughts on it? You think it's going to be powerful enough to go ahead and drive a lot of those PC games? You know, the hope is there that it will be. They've got a dedicated proprietary processor that AMD built for them. Of course. And they're claiming that it will have enough power to run the latest AAA games. But I don't know if this is actually (laughs) going to be the case. You hope it is, but... The effect that it can dock is really a game changer to me in the sense of we finally have somebody to compete with Nintendo Switch. The entire idea behind the Switch to me is it's a lifestyle brand now. You can pick it up. You can take it with you. It's your identity. You can walk into somewhere, sit down and play with it. I mean, people that love their Switch, love their Switch and take it with them everywhere. Right. And so I think that's what Steam is looking or hoping to do. And I hope they succeed at it because, yeah, I'd love to be able to take Portal with me anywhere in the world. So Gerald, I'm kind of with you. I'm reserving judgment entirely until we see the games. But if you look at the models here, I was a little bit disappointed. You've got the low end, which is 400 bucks. You've got 64 gigabytes of built-in memory, and that's all you get. And then you jump up another 130 bucks. You get 250 gigabytes of solid-state drive, and then you know for another 140 bucks, you get 512 gigabytes, half terabyte of solid-state. I think that middle tier right there is going to be the the nice threshold. I don't know if this has expandable memory uh, on top of that. If it does, you're golden. If not, then hey, you better pony up for that at least that middle tier there. I'm going to share more thoughts on Monday and let Josh talk about it because this is. A lot up his alley in regards to gaming is concerned, and this could be something of interest that gets him into PC gaming because he's not really a PC gamer per se. He's more into consoles. So I'm going to see what he thinks about it on the Monday show. But I want to look at it a little bit more, see if I think it's something that I think be a good value. But if you are interested on PC gaming on the go, the Steam Deck will be out in the not too distant future. So we'll go ahead and talk more about it on the Monday show. But if you have any thoughts now on the Steam Deck, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, we've got a great episode. Like I said, on Monday, we're going to be talking about the results of Space Jam. I'll have a review of it as well. We're going to be talking, like I said, about the Steam Deck a little bit more. And also some Lego because we had Bill send us another email talking to Josh and I about our thoughts on Legos and he had some thoughts on it, and we do appreciate it. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. So we're going to take a second look at Legos coming up on the Monday show as well. But nice. before we hand on out, my friend, it is Netflix. They recently pried away a former EA, Electronic Arts Executive, for him to be in charge as the VP of gaming for Netflix. And this is something I don't know if it's entirely surprising because of the fact that they've had so many gaming-related projects that they've introduced over the course of the past calendar year, 
obviously the Castlevania series has done great. We talk about Resident Evil. That animated series is on right now in Netflix. There's so many other game-related things that they're doing in regards to programming. And I think one is going to tie into the other, and that was probably the main reason why driving force behind it. But it sounds like they're going to be creating some original games and concepts and maybe has a shared IP ultimately with Netflix. It doesn't mean that you're going to be getting a disc in a box from Netflix, but it does tell me that they might be going ahead and producing games as a new game publisher. So your thoughts on this, I think it will ultimately lead to a shared IP between a movie or series concept leading into a game or vice versa. Your thoughts on Netflix getting into video games? Yeah. Go ahead, man. Share, share, like, man. I feel like Google Stadia tried this. Didn't work. Steam tried this at one point. Didn't work. Well, remember, Google Stadia did not produce a game. They were in in development on games, and they they cut that off. They realized early enough that it wasn't going to work. And look, I'm going to be a soundbite moving forward, probably, where this is going to take off and it's going to be a great success. And cloud gaming on Netflix is going to be the next big thing. Hopefully not. Uh, (laughs) We'll see when it comes. But, you know, I I just don't see this as a winning prospect. I think Netflix needs to stick to what they do best, TV and movies, and uh, leave the video games for other people out there. If you want to license your content to somebody else to make it for you, great. There's a billion studios out there that can make your games great, but don't bring it in-house. And I understand that you can just go acquire a studio and bring them in-house, but even that feels dangerous. Let them exist on their own. They want to keep more of it in-house. They've got the money, and they've got the popularity at this point in time to push it. So why not? I'd say give it a shot. I mean, if you and I could go in a garage right now and make our own video game, and if it turns out great, you know, you get a claim by it, you try to make another one, then a bigger publisher takes notice of you and say, hey, we like your stuff. We're going to buy you out so you can make bigger games. We've seen that success story now done many times. Right. Why not do it from the other end of the spectrum and have something that's heavily financed from the get-go? I mean, we have seen failures with Amazon. You're right. Amazon has. Oh, Amazon did their own as well. I forgot about that. Unfortunately, they've had two failures out of the get go that they've had to pull. They have one more with New World that they're going to try and and bring out. We'll see what happens with that as far as a a multiplayer online experience and all that. We'll see what happens there. But the jury's still out on them after two straight failures. But Netflix, who knows? I'm going to give it a shot. You never know what may happen. I just want to know, I mean, what controller are we going to be using to plug into our TV at this point to do this? Or I don't think they're going to do their own based? console. I don't think they're going to do their own console. This would be something that would be on someone else's platforms. All right. Like you said, they saw what happened with Google Stadia, and I think they would not go that route. I hope so. I, I really do hope that we end up with content on the PS5 and you know the Xbox Series X. But, you know, if... You're not convinced. Do you think they're going to put out their own thing? You're going to yeah, think about the, yeah, the Netflix. They're, yeah, they're going to do the, the Netflix cloud gaming route, and it's going to be terrible and, and a waste of money, and the EA guy is going to be fired in five years, and that's going to be the end of it, and they're going to be out $50 million, $75 million. Better save those Netflix shares. That's all I say. <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on Netflix getting into video games? Could it be something like what I'm talking about as far as on the publishing end that they could get into? Or do you think they're going to do something a little bit larger in concept 
like Marcus thinks. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by. As always, any last thoughts on the way out? No, I just really appreciated all the nods that my favorite shows got for the Emmys this year. Ted Lasso being number one, WandaVision number two. And lastly, I think I really hated Flight Attendant with Kelly Kuoku, and I'm the only person in the nation that probably hated it. So um, She's getting a lot of praise for that show. She is. I just There's so much going on in that first episode. It like, I don't know. I couldn't do it. Just really couldn't do it. Well, there you go. Not the flight intended fan is Marcus. But if you are a fan, let us know. Or Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram. He's always there for you. But also, we are too, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. For Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Do you like podcasts? Then you're gonna hate Thunder Talk. Tasteless subject matter. Mature humor. Contempt for our co-hosts. Unapologetic social views. Edgy music. And total irreverence for the nerd junk we love. Are all reasons why no one. No one. No one should listen to Thunder Talk. Find us on the ESO Network. And all podcasting platforms. Or don't. Whatever. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.